Welcome to This Organized Life. If you're a mom, wife, or coffee lover seeking advice on how to reduce clutter and reclaim time, look no further than your host, Lori Palau, founder of Simply Be Organized and author of Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. For a lot of people, clutter is their dirty little secret, but it doesn't have to be. Each week, we will share practical tips, chat with experts, and provide strategies on how to keep you organized. I hope that by sharing our stories, you feel a little less alone and more empowered to tackle the areas that are holding you back. So let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of This Organized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Palau, and I'm very happy that you are here joining us. So just a quick side note before we get into things. This actually, this episode that we're airing today was one that I had planned on dropping last week as a sort of conclusion wrap up to our Enneagram and Clutter series. But if you listen to last week's episode, we had a guest, Kate Shemmerhorn, on talking about her documentary. And she was going to be having a release the first week in August. And we wanted to promote that. So I flipped this these those two episodes around. And so anybody that was looking forward to my debrief on our Enneagram and Clutter series, here it is. So I wanted to kick off this episode really just summarizing my thoughts on the each of the different guests some of the takeaways. I would love to hear your thoughts. I, we were getting tons of feedback from people in real time who were listening to the episodes saying that they could relate to what our guests were saying about how they navigated clutter. But if you haven't listened to the episodes, please go back. They're all there. They're free. You can listen to them on any of your podcast streaming apps. You can watch them on YouTube. You can find them on our podcast page on our website. And again, what the whole purpose of me doing this Enneagram and Clutter summer series was to hone in on understanding how we all look at the world through our own unique lens. And in the world of the Enneagram, there are nine core lenses that people look through. Now there are subtypes and wings. So that number, as you peel back the layers, goes up. 27 if you do the subtypes, and then if you add in wings, it is triple that. But at its core, there are nine specific types. And so what we did for the last nine weeks is walk through conversations with people who identify as each of those different Enneagram types and see how their relationship has been when it comes to clutter and organization. And I really did it as information, A, for my book that I'm writing, and also to hopefully validate the a lot of the research that I had done leading up to creating my Enneagram and Clutter courses. And the good news is that it did. So I was pretty spot on with the people that we spoke with. And also to just bring light to the Enneagram as a tool that you guys can use to better understand relationships yourself, and specifically in our line of work, how you navigate clutter and organization. And so I just wrote down, and if you guys are watching me on YouTube, you'll see, I actually took some notes because I didn't want to forget. So what I want to do is just go through some of the observations that i takeaways that I had from the accumulation of all those nine guests. So here it goes. First of all, understanding the Enneagram 
has helped provide context for behaviors. And I want to make it very clear that context is very different than an excuse. So what I mean by that is saying I am a control freak and that because I'm an Enneagram one, and I make this up, I don't want to pick on the Enneagram ones, but I am a blank or I am disorganized because I am a this. That would be using your type as a weapon or as an excuse for poor behavior. And again, that goes in the space of relationships, that goes in the space of parenting, and that certainly goes in the space of clutter. But what the Enneagram does do is it provides context and language. And that's the part that I love because a lot of times we have these feelings or emotions, or maybe their thoughts or intuitions, but we don't have the language to articulate them. And what the Enneagram does is it provides context for us. So by having that context and having that language, we're then able to make improvements on it. Because once you can name something, that's when you can start to make transformation. So I think it was really impactful to hear from a lot of our different guests, um, each one of them talking about their own Enneagram journey, how they came to the Enneagram, how they use the Enneagram in their lives. Some of them are do this for a living. They're uh, coaches or practitioners. Other people are just regular folks living their life and they have some Enneagram knowledge and it's just a tool that they have in their back pocket to help with some understanding. So it doesn't really matter in the greater sense how you use the Enneagram. It's the fact that you have this awareness and that I think is really the key. Second observation is that there were a lot of through lines with the Enneagram types that I interviewed and the research that I've done with other people of similar types, for example. And again, I'm sure there's exceptions to every rule. So just don't quote me on this saying that this is every single person, but I did find some specific through lines. For example, Enneagram threes. If you talk to Melissa, I'm sorry, Melissa was a two, her counterpart, Jen Kilborn, my good friend, Jen Kilborn from Pro Organizer Studio, she's an Enneagram 3. And if you remember, Jen was saying how she actually has like a visceral reaction to clutter. Like it's almost like she's walking into a room and someone's blaring a stereo really loud. That is how much her she feels that stress and anxiety like in her body. And my husband, Josh, is a 3. And he has said he, when I phrased it to him like that, and I know from observations that clutter is something that stresses him out, but when I gave him that language, he immediately could resonate with that. And so that's just one example of the through lines between how certain types deal with clutter, even though, like I said, not every Enneagram type looks exactly the same. Not all threes look alike, not all eights look alike. But there are through lines with how they navigate clutter. I also, but on that same token, I also want to say that it's interesting because I look at Kimberly, my assistant Kimberly, who's an Enneagram 8, and myself, and I even mentioned it, I referenced it in the episode, that on the surface, we look very different. We're both Enneagram 8, so at our core, our motivations are the same, or we have that similar need for justice and how and we lead with our gut and intuition. We stand independently, so all of the core principles around the, we don't, neither one of us deals with emotional clutter really. So all of those emotional components are through lines throughout, but yet 
when you look at each one of us, we look different. And that could be, again, because there are so many variations of the different types on the Enneagram. There are your wings that you could relate to. There are the, the different subtypes that you could be. So again, just because you're a specific type doesn't mean that it's stereotyping you into a certain way that you're going to deal with things. But I did find that there are certain similarities with certain types and how they respond and relate to clutter. Okay. So I touched on this before, but I want to just reiterate again. My third observation is that language is powerful. And the key is communication. Because once we have so many, let me take it back, so many arguments and frustrations, and this can go again across the board, relationally with your spouse, this could be with your kids, this could be with your friends, this could be in a working relationship, it could be a boss, coworker, or leader, team member, whatever. But specifically in our world of clutter and organization, a lot of times we don't have language to articulate how something makes us feel or why we're struggling with getting rid of something or why we feel this need to control an environment, but we just know that we do. And so by learning the Enneagram and learning and having that language, it allows us to communicate. And communication is one of my core values. Communication is key for everything. Because once you can communicate, doesn't mean that, that all of a sudden you're going to be immune from fights and arguments and that your life is going to be totally organized. But once you can communicate your needs and your expectations, as well as where you might be struggling, that is when you can allow to make, like, that's where the space comes in for you to either get help if you need it or get clarity, if that is something that you need. And we're going to talk about that in the second half of the episode. But communication is really the pathway towards leading a more organized life. And so I think that is a gift that the Enneagram has given to me and can provide for all of you. And then the fourth main observation that I came away with is that the working on developing the three centers. Remember, we talk about the three centers. So the three centers are thinking, feeling, doing. And in Enneagram language, it's called the three centers of intelligence. But even if you don't want to get all Enneagram speaky, you can just say, we all know that some people lead more emotionally with their heart. Some people lead more intellectually and analytically, so they are thinking dominant. And some people lead more intuitively with their gut. And so within the Enneagram, every specific type has one dominant center. And on the flip side, there's also a center that you use the least. So there's one that's your dominant one, then one that supports that, And then there's one that is least accessed. And anybody that's been through my course and framework or listened to me for a while, that has a tremendous amount to do with where the actual work and strategies come in. Because the key for anybody is to try to balance and equalize the best that you can all three of those centers. So again, if you go through your whole life and you never knew the Enneagram, that's fine, but you will then primarily probably be going through life using intuitively two centers, the one that you're dominant with and the one that supports that. 
And if must you spend a lot of time in therapy and doing a lot of introspection, you're probably not going to be intentional about developing that third center because it's just not going to be something that's on your radar. It's not a bad thing. It's just not on your radar. But once you can become, if I could speak, become aware of that, it allows you to take a step back. And in my case, as an Enneagram 8, I am dominant when it comes my leading center is my doing center, which again, makes sense for a lot of parts of my life and how I live my life. I run my own business. I'm very independent in terms of my family and friendships. And I have all of these relational pieces that are very important to me, but I can stand independently unique of those. And somebody who is, I I make decisions very much from a place of intuition. And then secondary to that comes from a place of thinking and analytics. (coughs) So I've said on the show before, I'm a bit of a data nerd. And so I like facts. Facts are my friends. I don't tend to rely on emotion to make decisions. That's just not how I roll. And some people are the opposite. Some people make a majority or all of their decisions from emotion, from, excuse me, from their heart center. How does this make me feel? I'm going to make a decision based on feelings. And I don't want to get into a whole back and forth on this, but I always say facts are your friends. Your feelings are your feelings, but just because they're your feelings don't always mean that they are true and accurate. And I might feel fat or I might feel unattractive or I might feel all of these things. And that is how I feel, but that doesn't mean that it's actually true. And for somebody without going down like a tangent rabbit hole, I think the key to be a healthy individual in general, whether we're talking about an organized life or not, you want to be able to rely on thinking, feeling, and doing. And it's just equally as unhealthy for me to never rely on feelings and never to factor that in, whether for myself or for the other people around me. Because again, if we want to look at progress and we want to look at progress in our lives, whether that's in our careers, in our relationships, in living an organized life, we want to try to have a healthy balance between thinking, feeling, and doing. And I think it was really interesting talking to each of the nine Enneagram types and seeing relationally how they use their centers. So I loved that piece of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts out there. If for anybody that listened to some or all of the episodes, please shoot us a DM on Instagram if you want. We're at This Organized Life Podcast, or you can put it in our Facebook group, This Organized Life Podcast. You can also rate us send us an email. So we would love, we, I love getting emails from you guys. Info at simply the letter B like boy organized.com info at simply be organized.com. Or you can, like I said, just tag us on something. If you want to even make a quick little video and just put it out there and tag us. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What resonated with you? And even if something didn't, and you were like, wait, I'm this type and I handle things totally different. That's fine too. Again, there's not a one size fits all. And I think having this framework is great as a reference point, as context, as a tool in your toolbox for all of the things. If again, leading an organized life is something that is important to you. So we're going to take a quick break. 
And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and it's piggybacking off of this. And we're going to be talking about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I'm calling them the, the five C's to living an organized life. So sit tight. We'll be right back. One of the biggest questions I get from parents is what to do with all of my kids' keepsakes, especially school projects and artwork. Whether you're like millions of parents out there who shove their kids' artwork and projects into a closet, a drawer, or a bin, never to be seen again, or maybe you're a little bit like me and you find yourself secretly throwing things away in the dark of night, I've got a solution for you. The Class Keeper Keepsake System is a binder complete with done-for-you templatized pages to store the things that matter. Each grade has a separate pocket and includes room for all of the important firsts and lasts of each year of school. The Class Keeper was created by a mom of three who knows firsthand the struggles of keeping up with all of the things. Since its introduction just a few years ago, over 250,000 parents have bought and loved the ClassKeeper binder. If you're a digital junkie like me, the ClassKeeper mobile app is the perfect solution to hold images of all of your kids' artwork, including those oversized 3D projects that you just don't know what to do with, but you would love to remember. If you're ready to reclaim space in your home and give your grown kids a gift that they will actually appreciate, rather than giving them a bunch of bins to sort through and store, you're going to want to take advantage of this exclusive 40% offer just for the Simply Be Organized community. This offer is good for your entire purchase, including the physical ClassKeeper binder and the ClassKeeper app membership. Orders over $75 will receive free shipping. Use promo code SIMPLYB, that's simply the letter B, like boy, for 40% off site-wide. Some exclusions apply. Now, this offer ends September 15, 2022, so don't delay. Click on the link in the show notes to place your order today. Okay, so one of the things that I've been thinking about for some time is really trying to articulate the why, the why we want to live an organized life for so many people, because I I think for so many people, there are a lot of superficial reasons. And I'm like pausing because I want to weigh my words carefully when I say this and not to offend anybody or say something that's just comes across the wrong way. But for me, when I started my business back in 2009, it was always the long game. It was always about what living simply would bring me, the freedom that would come from living without clutter. And the byproduct of that was an organized space, was a pantry with matching bins and closets with similar hangers. Through line has carried me since the beginning about really understanding that it has to be more than just, I want a clear, I want a clear counter. That's, I get it that we all want to walk in and not see a sink full of dishes and not see piles of laundry and not see papers piled up everywhere. I get that. But what I challenge everybody to do is to really go back and peel the onion back a little bit further. Because by doing that, by going back a layer, 
it allows you to really get to the root cause of why that clutter is there in the first place. And that's really the foundational principle of why I started Simply Be Organized in the first place. It is the foundational principle of why I started the Clutter Clinic Speaker Series and this Organized Life podcast. So again, I think it is so important for people to understand that it ha- in order for you to have that sustainable change, I really want you to have a bigger why than just, I want everything to be like matching and acrylic. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. And I think there's nothing greater than having that feeling of, ah, when you walk into a space. But in order to change that behavior, we really need to go back to the root. And so that starts with, and so I came up with these, what I'm calling the five C's because I like acronyms and I couldn't really come up with one, but they all start with C. So here we go. So the five C's to living an organized life. Okay. So the first one is clarity. So if you are sitting there and you are struggling with space. Okay. And this can apply anywhere. It can apply for a garage, a playroom, a closet, a home office, a guest room, whatever. The first thing that I want you to do, and I do this with my clients, but I do it very organically. I don't necessarily say, okay, we're going to sit down and do the five C's. But if you're at home and you're doing this yourself, you can totally map this out. So the first one is clarity. What is your goal with the space? And by the goal is, how do you want this space to function? So not so much of, I don't want to have piles everywhere. Okay, that's great. But how do you want this space? What do you want this space to do for you? I want this to be a place where I can get dressed in the morning very easily. I want this a place where when I go to cook a meal, I don't have to waste 20 minutes looking for the supplies. I want to set up a paper flow billing system so that when I sit down to pay my bills, they're organized and I don't have to sort through stacks of paper. So again, identifying how you want the space to function is the first thing that I always ask my guests to do. And I apologize if you hear Jeter barking in the background. It's just one of those days. Okay. Second thing in terms of clarity is what do you want your space to look like? Now, this is the fun part. This is where style can come into place. Now, we're not going to necessarily implement that right now. But again, start to dream about what what is my style? What do I want it? Do I want to be able to see everything and have it just clear in front of me? Do I want it open? Or do I want everything behind closed doors? Do I want it in a drawer? Do I want nothing visible? So think about what you like. So if anybody's ever worked with a designer for a space, a designer will say, maybe show me some ideas so I can come. What are you more attracted to an open concept? Do you like closed doors or closed rooms? Think about all those HGTV shows, right? So it's the same concept, but on a more granular level for your clarity, for your this space that you want to work for you, your pantry, your closet, garage. So again, two things, just to recap, clarity, two things. What is your goal, which is the function? And the second thing is, what do you want your space to look like, which is style? So style and function, and that's under clarity. 
Okay. Second thing after clarity is your categories. So second one, categorize. And by categorize, I want you to start to go through the actual process of figuring out what are the categories that are going to live in this space. Now, depending on how big your space is, that could be super broad, like categories. If you're doing, for example, a garage, your categories could be auto, tools, gardening, play, pantry overstock. Those could be the types of categories. Or if it's categories in your closet, it could be dress clothes, casual clothes, shoes, boots, activewear, leisure wear, whatever. So again, your categories are going to be dictated by the space and how you want it to function. So I think a lot of times people are like, how do I organize my space? And once you can say how I want this space to function, the next thing is what categories do I want to live in here? And that's going to help you with the four piles, which I talk about a lot in my book, Hot Mess. And the four piles are what I use through my ESP method, which is the empty sort purge method. So when we go to empty that space, so let's say we're going to empty your closet and then we're going to sort it. We sort it into four piles. And the four piles are going to be our keep pile, which is the keep in that space. We want this to live here. Not just we want to keep it, but it needs to live here. This is a sweater that I wear, so I'm going to keep it here. Then you've got your relocate pile. So that's, I want to keep it, but it doesn't need to live here. So that means that could be fall under a seasonal item that doesn't need to live there because you flip your stuff out seasonally, or maybe it's a keepsake. So it's something that goes into your memory, but it doesn't need to live there. Or perhaps it's something that just never got put back in its proper home. And so you don't want to get rid of it, but it doesn't need to live there. So the keep pile isn't just, I want to keep it period. It's, I want to keep it here. And that's a big distinction with the relocate pile, which means I want to keep it, but not in this space. So again, two different piles. And then the other two piles, as we're sorting through, are going to be our recycle, which is anything that's trash. It's no longer, it's either broken, damaged, torn, stained, whatever. And then we get rid of it. So it's trash recycle. Or We are going to do our donate pile. And that is, it's in great working order. We, it's just no longer serving us. And we would like to pay it forward and have it serve somebody else. So those are the four piles that I have. Again, if you want to add a fifth, if there are, if there are things that you want to sell, you could create a fifth pile, but I don't personally practice that. I don't, I I have very strict guidelines for people that do want to sell it. And obviously if you have stuff that's got a large monetary value, totally fine. But I think there has to be some very strict parameters around that. So that's the sometimes fifth pile. But again, want to be very clear, very specific of how you're selling it, how long you're giving yourself to sell it. If it doesn't sell within X amount of time, I am going to donate it and get rid of it. I think those are the things in terms of the category. So those are your four piles. And then once you have narrowed down to your main keep pile, right? So you went from this big sea of stuff down into here are the piles that I have left. Once you are left with that keep in my space, pile of things, 
Now you're going to zone it, which is categorizing it like with like. So you're going to put all of your, if you're in your closet again, you're going to put all of your long sleeve shirts together. You're going to put all your sweaters together. You're going to put all your jeans together. And again, if you are in a pantry, you're going to have your spices together. You're going to have your baked goods or your baking goods together. You're going to have your chips together. You're going to have your canned goods together. So again, categorizing it is really and really important, which leads us into number three, which is contain. And what do we want to do is we want to contain these things in a way that makes it a easy to retrieve, right? So we want to find them quickly, which again is why we're categorizing. We want to find them easily. If we know that we're putting all of the cereals in one area or in one bin, then it's going to be easier for us to find them when we need them. As well as it's going to be easier for us to put things away because we know where their dedicated home is. And that's one of the biggest things is people don't always know where the home is for certain things. And so once you have that identified, it makes it a lot easier. And by containing, it's really a great way for you to organize your space very quickly. And when we contain, we usually, another thing that I, another word that we use here in the SBO world is we corral it. We always say, we're going to corral it and we're going to corral either in a bin, in a basket, or even like a tray. So let's say it's your bathroom and you've got all your face lotions and cleansers and stuff. I have that out and I use them and I want grab and go. Well, but I, instead of just having six different jars out on my vanity, I have a nice little simple white ceramic tray and they all sit on there. And so all of a sudden Everything is corralled and organized. You can do that with jewelry. You can do that with, again, you could do that with if you're somebody who has a lot of different categories of things and you want to just combine, put them all together in one neat specific area. It makes it so much easier to put away, to clean up, and to retrieve. So consistency is the fourth C, and that is all about repetition and the maintenance, how often you are practicing and developing that muscle. Because healthy habits and healthy behaviors are really the key in what we're looking for here. So again, just like we brush our teeth intuitively in the morning and at night, and we brush our hair and all of these things that we do without thinking about it, once you start practicing putting the dish right in the dishwasher or putting your clothes instead of dropping them on the floor to put them in the hamper or taking your clothes out the night before so that you're not rushed in the morning, whatever that piece of the equation that's going to help you live a more organized life. And the more that you can practice it, it will start to become second nature. And so again, that consistency is going to be a critical piece of your long-term success. And then that goes with, again, the practice because the more you practice and the more that you do this, the less decision fatigue you have. And one of the biggest roadblocks that I see for people is the struggle to figure out what to do. And once you've set up a parameter and a system and that it's working for you, then all of a sudden 
you don't have to think about it. It's just something that happens. And so again, find something that works, find something that's sustainable, and then just continue to practice, practice. And the fifth and final C that we're going to talk about today to living an organized life is contentment. Now, contentment is something that really warrants its own episode. And been thinking about this a lot. It may even be a whole series that we work on down the road because one of the things that I see so often in life, whether it's in real life with the people in my community or online with people that we talk to or our clients is this lack of contentment, this striving to have what somebody else has. And it's not necessarily from like a jealousy, like I'm jealous of that per se, but it's more about comparison being the thief of joy which is one of my favorite quotes from Teddy Roosevelt. And you can look at contentment in so many different categories. You can look at it from financially being not content. It could be your house. It could be your clothes. It could be your weight. It could be your career. It could be your kids. It could be your spouse. There are so many different areas of our lives that we struggle with contentment. But when it comes to organization, I want you to just, first of all, recognize if there's something that you're not happy with, organization is one of the key areas that you can fix. And it might take discipline and practice, but it's easy. It's an easy fix. There are certain things in life that are harder and that you might have drawn the short straw on certain things that makes it harder to kind of feel like you're on an even playing field. But the beauty about living an organized life is something that you can find joy in your own, with your own stuff, with the things that you have and the gifts that you have to this world. And so many people are trying to find contentment in the wrong things. And so if you can remove the things that you think are giving you that joy and really focus in on what are your core values and those core values will play into your contentment so much more and that will free you and make it so much easier for you to get rid of those material things or even those calendar things that are holding you back from living your best life. And again, I know it's really easier said than done in some ways, even though it's easy on one hand, it's hard because we are bombarded by images on in on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Facebook, all the things. And again, not slamming social media, but everywhere we look, we see the best version of somebody else and not the worst version. And so we tend to have this this comparison where we can take somebody else's best and we compare it to our worst. And that's not an apples to apples comparison. And so again, my challenge is to look at the unique gifts that you have And the areas that you want to improve and just start to chip away at some small action steps to help you get there. So I hope you found this episode helpful, inspiring, and just a little bit leaving you feel a little less alone than maybe you were before. And again, anything that we can do to help any of our resources, whether it's our courses, whether it's the book, whether it's back episodes of the podcast, please let us know because we want to be here to help you live 
your best organized life. Until next week, I'm Lori Palau. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, please spread the love and share it with your friends. And if this is your first time joining us, make sure to click the subscribe button wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review so other people know that our show is worth the listen. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at This Organized Life Podcast. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can head on over to our website at simply the letter B, like boy, organized.com, which is filled with tons of resources, including free downloads, checklists, links to our amazing organizing partners, and all of our digital offerings. I'll see you next week for another episode of This Organized Life.